first came to ESP, I had on the surface something that seemed to be like the perfect life or a pretty good life. Like superficially, materialistically, I was very successful. I had the job, I had the dog, I had the car, I had the boyfriend, I had the blah, 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 the clothes, everything that I thought I needed in order to be okay. And yet I couldn't stand to be with my family for more than two hours at a time. And the idea of being honest with even my best friend was something that was so far outside the realm of possibility that I just kind of thought you always lived your life inauthentically. Um, and when I came to ESP and I started to do the work in the goals lab, do the work in the classes, I started to transform in a way that I never expected. Like, I literally didn't know that you could spend time with someone and not be nervous. I literally didn't know that it was possible to have a, a week with your family where you didn't feel like leaving. <laughs> I just thought that that wasn't really possible. I thought it happened in the movies. And now that's my life. That's my reality. I have an experience with my family that is nothing but joy. And it's, it's astounding. It was supposed to be a self-improvement, self-empowerment group to help those find answers to their questions, to find power and enlightenment. This was a self-described American multi-level marketing company that was called Nexium, that was founded by Keith Raniere. However, it garnered national attention in 2017 when multiple outlets exposed its as a pyramid scheme and cult that forced its female's recruits into sexual slavery and branding. In years since, Ranieri and various members, including former Smallville actress Allison Mack, were arrested and then later indicted on federal charges with the founder convicted of racketeering and sex trafficking. It was finally made known that this was a 21st century sex cult. Join Hollywood Paranormal as we take a deeper dive into the sex cults of Hollywood and how the Nexium cult shook not only Hollywood, but the world. The Paranormal Aftermath, Allison Mack's co-star John Snyder of Smallville, has a little ghost story of his own of a little haunted house in the Hollywood Hills. So join us as we learn how to escape the Nexium sex cult. Hey guys, welcome to another juicy episode of Hollyweird Paranormal. Fresh squeezed. Yes. We're going to be talking about sex cults. Yes. Sexual cults. I don't know what it says about me that I'm so obsessed with them, but I am so <laughs> obsessed with them. With cult or sex cults? Any Anything cult-like I'm here for. Well, yeah, you're wearing a CrossFit no. shirt, so there you go. Oh. Girl, you know I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the CrossFit cult, yes. Well, guys, we just recovered from a very busy weekend we had. Um, we were at the Outlier Fest. Yes. We met a couple of amazing podcasters. Mm -hmm. We hung out with two girls on a bench. Hi. We were part of their panel, our, so nice. our BFF podcasters. It was so sweet to and have them invite us. Like, I oh my know. God. It was us? really, really, really 
sweet and it was an amazing event there are a ton of mm-hmm. like podcasters and we got to meet todd cochran mm-hmm. of our hosting site blueberry he's Hi. the mastermind behind blueberry the reason why we have a podcast mm-hmm. host he's the guy so we got to hang out with them and then we got to hang out with book of flies is another oh, podcast right. yes. that we met we hung out with those two girls got to meet them very briefly and then of course the magic quest boys yes. they are amazing guys they are a dungeons and dragons podcast and we got to meet noah from that mm-hmm. group and he was really really sweet and we're, we've been back and forth so we're going to be doing something mm-hmm. with them eventually maybe a part two for our haunted hollywood bars tour cool. Because they wanted to do a crossover where they had, you know, they were going to share some ghost stories. Cool. Possibly, you know, recorded from a Hollywood bar, a haunted Hollywood bar. So it's so funny because they are doing like a Dungeons and Dragons-y type podcast, which is like, you know, when like things start popping up and like you start seeing the number 60 everywhere in your life or whatever it actually yeah. is. Dungeons and Dragons is that thing for me right now where like everywhere I look, it's like popping up and yeah. I'm ironically getting ready to play my first game. One of my friends is getting ready to like host his own game. Uh-huh. But like ever since I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds fun. Like it's all my favorite people. Like I'll join. I don't know anything about it, whatever. And then it's like started popping up. So when he said, he's like, yeah, we do like a Dungeons and Dragons. I was like, huh? it's a big thing it's always been a a huge huge following i think it's just like coming to light with now with this like whole geek is cool movement like it's all surfacing yeah it is it's just Mm -hmm. really weird because like my history with it is that we were very much a part of the like satanic panic camp and like right i think even my dad had like the old like metal die cast Dungeons and Dragons, like, yeah. figurines, like, literal, like, thousands of them. And, uh-huh. like, he had, like, locked them away in the basement so that, like, we wouldn't play with them. They were, like, forbidden to us. So, of course, I, like, would try and get them. <laughs> and there was, like, little, like, griffins and unicorns. Like, these are really cool. It's like, no, you can't play you with can't those. You can't touch that. Yeah. Satanic Panic was soups alive in our house. <laughs> Look how well that worked. <laughs> oh, my God. You have seen that happen. It's so extra. But, yeah. Let's see who else. A shout out to uh, Justine from the Cutaways podcast. She was also part of the panel. It was just a really cool festival to be a part of. Mm. And, of course, afterwards, we um, hung out with L.A. Not So Confidential Mm -hmm. at uh, the Universal City Walk first. But um, it was so funny because... Me, Dr. Shiloh, and her sister were going to go in and do the Halloween Horror mm. Nights, and Bryce wasn't. But we had a bit of a horror ride prior to the horror. Oh my god! Nights I know. On a lift. I genuinely, for a solid like ten minutes, was like, "We're never going to get out of this lift ever." Oh ever, my god! Ever. Long story short, so we get back to my apartment from Outlier Fest. I wanted to change, feed me at Walker. And we were just going to catch a lift together to Universal Studios. It's only like 10 minutes away from my uh, from where we it's live. It's so close. So um, we get this lift. And it's a really nice woman. First red flag is like she just was coming the opposite way. And she did this illegal U-turn mm-hmm. and almost hit a car. <laughs> yeah. And then picks us up. But then she made up for it with these snacks. And they were delicious cookies that she baked. They Amazing. Amazing. They were so... Because I had like she, four. her side hustle is, you know, her little bakery. And um, they were like vegan or vegetarian. Yeah. yeah. they were amazing chocolate chip cookies. And then she got on this whole train of explaining to us what she, she does. She mm-hmm. has this bakery called Amazing Grace Bakery. She just signed a deal with the dispensary. She's mm-hmm. going to make CBD cookies. Mm-hmm. And throughout this time, like, we're driving with her. She is like... 
<laughs> driving a little erratic. Yeah. <laughs> missing turns, missing entrances and exits. Yeah. And there's a point where Bryce was like, we're not going to make it. And I was like, You're why don't you just, just like, drop us <laughs> off here? That's fine. Look, 10 out of 10 would recommend those cookies. They were insane. So if by some <laughs> chance she ever hears this, like, girl, your cookies are fire. Not a huge fan of the lift ride. No. Like, it was it was fine. But it was fine. But you were at one point, I was like, more enjoying the cookie in the car. I get a Texas Bryce. <laughs> He's sitting next to me. He's like, we're going to die. And I said, well, that's fine. If we're going to die, at least we have these delicious chocolate chip yep. cookies that we're devouring. I mean, what yeah. a way to go. What Just a way to go. Digesting these cookies. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. And then we met up with Shiloh. Hi. Dr. Scott was in Vegas. So, of course, like, he got to miss out on the fun. But not enough liquor was. Uh, no, I will not be going to horror <laughs> nights. One of my coworkers I, was like, "What would you do if I just drugged you <laughs> and dropped you in the middle of the maze and you had to find your way out?" I'm like, honestly, I'd just kill myself because it'd be easier. <laughs> like, I I can't. There's just no world in which I would be okay. No, it was amazing. It was a great, great display of those mazes. I mm. we did the us, the cabinet of curiosities, and then we did Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. They did an homage to two and three, and then um, we did the Ghostbusters, which was phenomenal. And then I left. I dipped out. Yeah. Yeah, because my plantar fasciitis was like killing me, yeah. and sh- like Shiloh was like, "No, we're gonna stay here till two. I'm like, "My foot has, I'm, I, I gotta leave. My yeah. foot is killing me to have to go." Yeah. So, <laughs> and sleep, and yeah, it was it was a really good night. I really dig Universal Studios. It's a hard night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even um, our my office they advertise on the radio, and like our rep from the radio mm-hmm. gave us like free tickets to Not Scary Farm. And I was like, thank you, that's so sweet, but, like, I'm not going to use these. She's like, no, it's free. Like, they're the VIP. Like, they're, like, nice tickets. They're, like, the VIP ones. Mm -hmm. Get into Not Scary Farm. One of my coworkers took them, so they didn't go to waste. But I was just like, no, (laughs) No. thank you so much. That's so sweet. But I will not be going to these were presented to me on a cheese tray that is handed to me by Meryl Street. No. Yeah, no, actually, that would not be enough. (laughs) It would not be. If it was, like. Justin Trudeau, maybe. Maybe. Like, yeah. let's keep our options open. <laughs> but the bar is going to be Justin Trudeau shirtless? Or with a cheese tray, either way. <laughs> either way. Garbage. All right, guys. Well, moving forward. Yeah. We're going to be talking They're like, please, for the love yeah. of God. <laughs> I know, like 10 minutes. For the love of cult. <laughs> 10 hours later. Oui. So we are going to be talking about one of the most infamous and very popular cults that, you know, pretty much shook Hollywood recently, Mm. and that's the Nexium cult. And to open up as a little preface, we're going to talk about sex cults that have taken over Hollywood in Mm -hmm. the past, because don't think that Nexium was the only one. No. Trust me, there were some really bad ones prior before Nexium, and we're going to be just dishing a couple of those little, you know, details beforehand. Then we're going to cut to the chase and talk about Keith Ranieri. We're going to talk about his little early childhood and his early not so great professional life and how Nexium started. Mm. Oh, yes. Bryce has a full ledger book on receipts on that, guys. And then, of course, the Alice and Mac allegations, what Mm. happened with the 
dos, sisterhood, the sorority connected to Nexium, branding, slaves, everything. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss this out. And then, of course, the moment you all have been waiting for, ghosts. No, there's no Nexium ghost, but there is a paranormal association. So one of the stars from Smallville, mm. John Snyder, from the infamous show Dukes of Hazard, has a ghost story of his own. So uh, we're going to share that towards the end. So let's just jump into this whole world of sex cults. Now, if you guys remembered in season two, episode 14 of The Buddha Field, we gave a really wonderful description mm. of what a cult is and why cults were such a big thing, especially in the late, um, I would say late 60s, early 70s, why California was the setting of cults, because California was a place of mysticism, mm. wellness, and people wanted to gravitate towards that. Another great episode to listen to as well, just to get a good idea of cults in general, is our BFF podcast friends, LA Not So Confidential. Season one, they do a really yes, great episode so on good. cults. They're so smart. They are. They're really, really smart. Saying, they're really smart and we are not. We are so not, just sorry. forewarning. <laughs> We're really cute. We are. At least, yeah, we have great hair. Is yeah. All, say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So according to Natalie Min's article on E! Online, How Cults Take Hold in Hollywood, The Myth of Manson and Beyond. Now, sex cults are different to doomsday, evil, or other religious Mm. cults in one aspect, but the leader of a church generally sleeps with as many of his flock as possible. And a surprising number of sex cults have been founded in the U.S., maybe because of the freedom of religion enriched in the First Amendment, of course. And in 1968, it seems to have been a very popular thing to have gurus, to have free love. And this was the whole ethos of the time, free love. Mm -hmm. Almost all the leaders were male and none were classically attractive, Charles Manson, but all exercised a strong hold over their followers. So the first one we're going to go over is the famous one, so famous that they were even in a Woody Allen film, Mm. The Source. So the Source family were a rock and roll loving utopian community centered around continually involving list of new age beliefs. It was led by Los Angeles food restaurant tycoon Jim Baker, better known as Father Yod, and Yod was a charismatic former Marine and Hollywood stuntman with a long white beard and a yearning for spiritual enlightenment. Mm. He enlisted 14 wives, and out of those 14 wives, he birthed 42 children. Well, they did. And the cult moved from L.A. to San Francisco and then to Hawaii between 1972 to 1977. The group was short-lived, dispersing in 77, two years after Yod died unexpectedly in a hang gliding accident they were able to receive funds from a cafe called the source off of the notorious sunset strip which is now cabo cantina hilarious (laughs) the source was so famous that it made a an appearance in one of i think i can't remember the name of the film but it was a woody allen film and it's a scene where he goes into the source and he orders a bowl of yeast and then of course snl back in the 70s did a skit over the source that starred John Belushi. John Belushi? I think it's John Belushi. Mm. Belushi. Belushi was a part of that skit. It was really, really funny. I always get confused which one was an SNL and which one was a Blues Brother. Oh, wait, they were both? No, they were both. It was Ackroyd and Belushi. They were both in SNL. They created that skit. And then my roommate's gonna be so mad at me. I know way to go, way to go. She loves SNL. (laughs) I know that it is a show. That is a big, big historical trivia. We are bad. (laughs) Now in Lafayette, California, the Purple People is a group that lives in people. 
purple houses and travels in purple limousines. The highly controversial community officially called Lafayette Morehouse formed in 1968 and has since been labeled a sex cult. The members of this cooperative community engage in experimental sexual, and I say this with finger quotes, Mm. research, and believe in a life of pleasure. The Lafayette Morehouse members teach sex practices and techniques, and the group even used to offer college degrees on the subject. Some claim residents of the hedonistic co-op are free to come and go as they please, and that the Lafayette Morehouse is a simple little community that encourages pleasurable living. Others say that the group uses intimidation tactics to keep members closed in behind their purple doors. Mm. The Free Love Commune faced public criticism back in 94 when authorities arrested founder Dr. Victor Barranco and his wife for possession of LSD. The arrest led credence to former allegations that the Morehouse founder coerced students into taking illegal drugs and having free love under these substances. Now, Lafayette Morehouse, which employs its own security guards to protect the property, reportedly has ties to the alleged pyramid scheme, of course, and cult One Taste, a San Francisco business that offers orgasmic meditation for women. Now, since 2001, One Taste has set up locations across the world, including London and Melbourne. Then we move to one of the worst sex cults. And I at one point, I had to shut my computer mm, after mm-hmm. reading the reports of what this, this SOB did who led this cult. But this cult makes Nexium look pretty small. Mm. And that is the Children of God, yes. a.k.a. the Family International. I'm obsessed with the Children of God. I, I'm Not so obsessed, disgusted but. with them. Oh, my God. So the Children of God, guys, was started in California in 1968 by David Berg, who is also known as Moses David, who was the son of a preacher man. But Berg became a minister for the children, no, for the Christian and Missionary Alliance, but was expelled for, you guessed it, alleged sexual misconduct and alleged sexual misconduct with underage Men and women. (laughs) Yes. Not good. Not good. Originally, the Children of God Church lived a communal life, mesmerizing passages from the Bible and preaching in the streets. It mirrored the free love movement of the 1960s and the idea of being everyone was married to everyone else. Mm. Orgies were highly encouraged, but weirdly enough, it it still hid behind the Christian bar. Women in the yes. cult were encouraged to have sex with strangers to try and get more people into the cult with a practice that David Berg termed flirty fishing. Ugh. Not many men were convinced to join, but 300 babies were born as a result, and most of whom never knew their fathers. Homosexuality was condemned, but not lesbianism. Sure. And Berg also preached that sex, this is where it gets very twisted, guys. But this is uh, this is the reality of the whole thing. Um, he believed that sex between children and adults was holy, mm-hmm. that it was beautiful, and that it was seen as a beautiful thing in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. So in 1972, there were 130 communities around the world. At its height, the cult had about 10,000 members. Celebrity members have included the Phoenix family, including River Phoenix and Joaquin Phoenix. Mm. Another one is Rose McGowan. But Berg fled the U.S. due to allegations of, you guessed it, pedophilia. 
he communicated with his flock through Mo letters, basically pornographic comic book messages. And these continued until his death in 1994. The group officially denounced sex with children in 1986. So this was a really messed up sex cult. There were even reports of how David Berg described getting fellatio Mm -hmm. by a four-year-old girl. Like, this is how disturbing this fucking cult was. So now we move forward Mm. to, you guessed it, the Nexium cult. Now, the thing that was so interesting about the cult was that it involved Hollywood members Mm -hmm. and the elite. So it shook Hollywood, of course. A wonderful podcast to learn more about the cult is Uncover with Josh um, Block, who interviews one of the women. She is the ex-member of Nexium and of the sorority dose, and that's Sarah Edmondson. I'm so obsessed with her. Yes. So she's also on this, there's this series, this is kind of how this came up, I think we talked about this last Uh episode. There's a series on A&E called extreme belief in cults Mm -hmm. and all of these cults come up so they talk a lot about that there's a there's like all these like survivors that they then are interviewing so there's like this woman who escaped the family of god and sarah edmondson is on the nexium episode oh god i'm so obsessed with her because she just got out i mean the article in the new york times came out in like 2017 so she's Mm -hmm. like the freshest out yeah a lot of the other survivors of course at the end of the season they do like a survivor like Mm -hmm. round table essentially yeah to sort of talk about like the similarities and because at the at the end of the day it's about control Mm -hmm. and so like the things that are being done against these people are very similar even though like they might manifest in different ways but the woman who is the interviewee for the Family of God cult. It's just so heartbreaking. I it mean, really is. Because they have like a really, really high rate of suicide. Yeah, of Among course. like ex-members, because it's like all these children yeah. who were being like child-brided to either the leader or members up and like separated from the families and they're getting married at like eight, nine, ten, And then they finally escape and they're ruined essentially and like there's a really high suicide rate there was that really famous video that came out in like 2006 and it was like the grandson mm-hmm. of the leader yes it was Lu- i think it was luis mendoza yes no, that but is. It, yeah it's Lu- if i get it wrong i'm, I'm so sorry I'm but i know the first yeah. name is luis it was his video manifesto and he threw everyone under the bus before he committed suicide he, and then he killed his nanny as well who had like allegedly raped him and she was also <sighs> a member of the cult and it was this whole thing so, yeah, and then, the, like you're saying, this podcast is so good. I'm just so obsessed with Sarah Edmondson. All of these seasons are amazing, and the first season mm-hmm. is Nexium because Josh Block went to school with Sarah Edmondson. Wow. The reporter of this series not only interviews her, but interviews all of the other ex-members, wow. even some of Keith's, you know, ex-girlfriends that you know he had in the past and they all had one thing in common that they were all vulnerable under Keith's command you know which is really really sad but this leads me to pretty much go over this quote that we mentioned in our cult episode and it just like gives it such a great tone for what we're going to talk about Mm. so this is by author Joris Carl Heisman and she once quoted worshiping the devil is no more insane than worshiping God it is precisely at the moment when positivism is at its high water mark that mysticism stirs into life and the follies Mm. of occultism begin which is 100% true 
Now, in order to learn about Nexium, we need to learn more about its founder and go all the way back to his childhood, where we can get a glimpse on where the cracks of the foundation mm. started. So Keith Allen Ranieri was born 1962. His father, James Ranieri, a New York City advertiser, and his wife, Vera, she was a ballroom dancing instructor. So Vera was an alcoholic, to which is why we think, you know, mm. this is pretty much the starting ground of why Keith is has this hatred let's just say hatred towards women yeah so according to james you know vera drank a lot and drank in in front of keith and even keith at one time at one point describes his mom as just being an alcoholic the age of five the family relocated from brooklyn to suffern new york when he was around eight years old his parents finally separated and from the 1960s to the early 70s ranieri attended a wardolf school According to a 2018 article on EpochTimes.com by Bowen Choi, Ranieri's classmates remembered him as a kind of loner who possibly only had one friend in grade mm. school. And it was a boy named Ronald. And he was similarly unpopular in high school and didn't seem to belong to any particular social group. He's a sociopath. A narcissist. Everything was always about him. He was always bragging about how smart he was, how much better at math he was. He walked around like he had a he was a miniature professor, said uh, L.M., who was in the class above Ranieri, but rode the school bus with him for many, many years. Mark Jackson, an Epoch Times writer who sat next to Ranieri during fifth grade and spent time with him outside of the school, said it was obvious that Ranieri's need to be special mm. had reached new heights when Ranieri came back to visit their school for one day in grade 12. Now we fast forward to 1978. Ranieri's mother dies, and in 82, Ranieri graduates from, um, I think it's Red Renzenlair, Renzenlair Polytechnic Institute with a 2.2 GPA. Hmm. And during his time at RPI, Ranieri met Karen Unterreiner, and she would remain among his inner circle for the next four decades. Now, in his earlier adulthood, according to reporting by the Times Union in 1984, the 24-year-old Ranieri became, uh, yeah, you guessed it, sexually involved hmm. with an underage girl, 15-year-old Gina Melita. Yeah. After the two met in a theater group, and according to Heidi Hutchinson, Ranieri was also sexually involved with her sister, Gina Hutchinson, who was also 16 years old. Gross. In 1984, when Gina was 16 of age, she later died from suicide. Now, Ranieri uh, worked as a computer programmer for the State of Division of Parole, and in June of 1988, the Times Union profiled Ranieri, reporting on his membership in the Mega Society, mm. which is a high IQ society open to people who have scored at the one in a million level on a test of general intelligence. Now, after having achieved a high score on founder Ronald K. Hufflin's mega test, a 48 question unsupervised test which had been published in April of 1985. And although the mega test has been widely criticized as not having been properly validated, Ranieri's mm. name was listed in a 1989 Australian edition of the Guinness Book of World Records. Mm. Now we fast forward to 89 to Keith's next downfall, and that is the consumer's byline. Ugh. So Ranieri founded the multi-level marketing company, Consumer's Byline, and within a year, 
um, he ends up getting involved with um, this woman, Tony Natalie. And at this point, Tony Natalie is involved with another man. She's married and she has a son. And both her and her husband are working as salespeople on consumers' byline. Mm. But somehow, Ranieri comes between them. She ends up having an affair with Ranieri, leaves her husband, and then soon grabs her son and moves to Clifton Park to be near Ranieri. So shortly after her marriage ends, she ends up being with Ranieri for eight whole years. Damn. In 1993, Ranieri's business consumers byline shuts down after being investigated by 20 states that year. New York filed suit alleging the organization was, you guessed it, guys, a pyramid scheme. Gasp. (laughs) Shock. In 96, Ranieri signed a consent order permanently barring him from promoting, offering, or granting participation in a chain chain distribution scheme and ordering him to pay close to $40,000 of fines. And in 1994, Ranieri created the National Health Network, a multi-level uh, pyramid, I mean, a seller of vitamins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, that business, <laughs> surprise, fails in 1999. And in the mid-90s, Ranieri and partner Tony Natalie operated a health product store. In 1999, Ranieri meets Nancy Salzman. Mm-hmm. Oh, underline that name because you're going to be hearing that a yes. lot. A former psychiatric nurse. Ranieri and Salzman, they pretty much funded the Executive Success Program, mm-hmm. or ESP, which is a personal development company offering a range of techniques aimed at self-improvement. A few years later, the program was rebranded under the name Nexium, N-X-I-V-M. Now, Ranieri adopted the title Vanguard from a favorite arcade game in which the destruction of one's enemies increased one's power. Much of Nexium was influenced by the teachings of Ayn Rand, one of Keith's favorite authors. But eventually, Keith and Natalie end up breaking up, and soon allegations of that breakup come forward as Natalie describes that he was becoming a little too abusive. Mm. Now, what is Nexium? And Bryce, you have the receipts on this yes. one. So technically, Nexium is branded, like you said, as an executive success program. Mm-hmm. And what that means, and I think one of the reasons that this company worked as opposed to his other multi-level marketing companies, is that it was sort of this like business seminar. It was sort of how it was branded. Yeah. And so they would do this thing especially like in the very early days where like you would go and there was this seminar obviously you paid and they would tell you you know and then i guess i should say that this whole episode is like a giant allegedly because he has been convicted like last month right but the things that he was convicted for come out like we're going to talk about them in a minute um so all of the things that have to do with like nexium itself technically is not why he's in prison so Fine. <laughs> um, allegedly. Allegedly, yes. But, you know, according to Sarah Edmondson, and I trust her, so mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of take her side while trying to present it non-biasedly because she was so involved in the cult. Oh, yeah. And so involved. I think, you know, we can kind of trust what she says was happening was happening because mm-hmm. she was so involved. But all that to say, essentially, there would be like a weekend retreat that you would then like go to it like a hotel. And they would have these seminars and they would essentially get you to pay and then 
you would finish the seminar and they'd be like, and now like if you want to continue, it's like this amount of money. So that's sort of like the very loose structure of this executive program and that you're like releasing your potential through these ways. And like the first level is that like when you start feeling uncomfortable during this weekend, fight that urge. Step one of red flags but that, that was sort of the whole thing is like you're gonna be here for this weekend there are these very long sessions we have like a very short lunch break you're going all day when you like get that urge to get up and go and like leave this like we're gonna challenge you to fight that and so they basically have all of these people and by the end so that was in 1999 by the early 2000s roughly like 2003 they have like 30 or 3,000 members essentially who are all paying 2,500 or more per weekend so like they're generating a lot of money in a very short amount of time and they start getting people who are like semi famous I would say or at least notorious right who are now members so they sort of have these like dignitaries children and like B-list actors and like these sort of names who are now a part of it. Oh yeah, heiresses. Yes, and so A, they're rolling in money and B, it's sort of getting this like, uh, like, no, no, what's the word I'm looking for? That it's like working essentially, but I can't think of that word. (laughs) Um, And so it starts getting more like reputable maybe and there's like Enron executives that start enrolling and there's like, government officials who are now part of it and it's all being branded as this way to like essentially manipulate your way into business success by like doing these things and you'll be like the happiest you've ever been and the most successful you've ever been so that's like the early 2000s and they essentially explode like it goes from nothing in the early 90s to like over 3,000 members like less than 10 years later right So, the first allegations that it is a cult start happening around this time, too, like 2004-ish, 2003-2004, and they basically forced all of their members to sign NDAs, second red flag, and people start, like, reporters essentially start investigating, and they start suing anyone who, like, starts to investigate the business and um they also they sue a reporter um sorry i have his name somewhere he's a cult investigator and his name is rick allen ross and he posts sections of their manual on his website and so they sue him for libel essentially oh wow and so that's like the first real like peek behind the curtain because there's actual like copy of the text now Mm -hmm. and this is again in 2003 2004 and so that's the first like major allegation that this is not a business seminar for executives that it's actually a cult and like you can see that based on like the text and that right these people are in a cult and based on that initial posting people's like family members also start alleging like we haven't been able to like contact our children like we are they're like taking lines of credit out to like help pay for like these seminars like it starts like the family now starts to get involved and be like yeah our kids are like in a cult essentially (laughs) as you do so then late in 2003 there are two articles that then come out 
um, one in Forbes magazine, and then a series of articles in Vanity Fair. Oh, yeah, the expose. Yes, which are, like, huge at the time. And again, like, they sue them immediately, as you do. And the way that they kind of get around it is that um, a lot of the members alleged that they thought that the Forbes article was, like, a positive, like promo kind of thing that they were like doing a piece about the success of Nexium, so they ended up talking to them kind of like carte blanche and giving away like kind of these red flag secrets yeah and then when the article actually comes out they're like pissed because it's like it, they said it painted them in a bad light right and that they twisted their words and then again they sued them for libel and they basically um, they like gave all these secrets up about Ranieri and Salzman and that they felt like tricked by Forbes essentially which like I just think you have to be smarter than that but whatever right. fine. <laughs> they're investigators like what are you going to do so now um, sorry where's the name uh, Sarah Brofman who's like the number three in command she is like in this article predominantly and um, they do another article in Forbes in 2006 specifically about the Brofmans and their involvement in Nexium. Uh-huh. And so they are the ones that, like, they have the financial records and they've taken out, like, all these lines of credit and they've given, like, almost, I think, like, two or three million dollars. Oh, it was more. Like, it's... It was way more. Which is insane oh, yeah. to me. Like, who has that kind of money? But, like, rich people, of course. Um, <laughs> rich people, problems. Yeah. And so they do like an expose on them and their father comes out and he's like, yeah, my daughters are definitely in a cult. And so it's like this very wealthy family now mm-hmm. embroiled in this. And again, it's like a very, it's like the second hit I would say for Nexium, but they're still growing at like this really incredible rate in part because they just have so much money. So like, it doesn't really matter for them. Fast forward, there is a final Forbes article at the, in the uh, 2010 and it basically goes back to now the like problems that the Brofmans are having. Mm-hmm. And they have like a series of failed real estate deals and they have a series of like failed like satellite nexiums. And it's sort of starting to show like the unraveling that's happening. And so that's sort of like the first wave of nexium allegations are these like very exposeic articles. That they then, of course, like counter sue, but nothing really happens. That's the thing that's so crazy is like up through 2010. That's what I noticed too. There were all these articles, all these mm-hmm. investigations, and it just like wasn't like nothing was budging. Yeah. And I wonder part of that is like as a society, we kind of did that back then. Oh, yeah. Like I, I was really going to try and avoid it, but here we go. <laughs> Buckle up. Feminist rant incoming. Um, I, there's this one interview, and Courtney. Love mm-hmm. is on this like red carpet interview and because she's kind of crazy and because she's like a wild girl and because like people blame her for so many things that she whatever like right. I get it she's a, she has a lot of stigma around her mm-hmm. there's this interview and they ask her and there's a point to this story I swear um, they ask her what's like advice 
that you would give to young people trying to make it in Hollywood. And she stares the camera dead in the eye and she says, don't go into a hotel room with Harvey Weinstein. And this is in like 2004. That is true. I remember that. And the interviewer just kind of laughs it off. (laughs) Oh, Courtney. Okay. Yeah. And because she's (laughs) kind of crazy. Yeah. Because she's like a party child. Because she probably wasn't that sober. Right. We just like brush it off. And the reason I even bring that up, A, because fuck Harvey Weinstein. But B, because in general, I think we are a little bit more prone to believe victims now because mm-hmm. we sort of see the scope of like, oh shit, it literally is everybody. It like really these is, yeah. very few people are taking advantage of everyone and then tricking them into silence. And so these articles that were coming out in like the mid-2000s especially, it wasn't that long ago, but in a lot of ways it really was. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of it is that like, yeah, these really damning articles came out, but like nothing happened because it's just easy to be like, well, if they're dumb enough to like join a call, then like they get what they deserve. And now I think as a society, we're a little bit better, not really, but getting better, hopefully, at being like, oh shit, they were manipulated. They are victims. Like we need to like believe them. When I first listened to the first couple of episodes mm. of Uncover, mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck, Sarah? Come on. I, and I was like, what was wrong with like what was wrong with you? But then learning more about mm-hmm. Keith, it's just that Keith, he's not a a cult leader. He he's a salesman. That's totally. what I was just oh, thinking. God, totally. He is one of the best salesmen in the world. Yeah. In the world. Cause get this guys, this guy can honestly sell an open packet of ketchup mm-hmm. to a woman in a white dress, white shoes, and white gloves. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he can sell an empty water bo- bottle to a man dying of thirst. This mm-hmm. is how great this guy was. And to all these women, mm-hmm. he was selling this beautiful wrapped piece of candy with all of his bullshit and narcissism mm-hmm. inside wrapped in a philosophical wrapper. Yeah. And I think part of what he did that was very clever was that he got women to recruit other women and i think that's so disarming so let's talk about the mid-2000s since we brought it up yes let's talk about that this is i guess sort of like the second wave of nexium essentially and when it really starts to get really hypersexual and really fucked up honestly so Mm -hmm. like in the first wave there were for sure elements that are big red flags but i think mostly it's just that people are getting swindled out of their money uh-huh. Unfortunately, like I'm not trying to diminish that at all, but here we are. Um, and so in the mid-2000s, um, Salzman and her daughter, they go to British Columbia, to Vancouver, and essentially start the West Coast campus of Nexium. And as such, they start recruiting bigger Hollywood names, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Most notably, Allison Mack, who at the time was on Smallville and a bunch of other things. Right. And so she essentially becomes like this major recruitment tool for the West Coast Nexium campus branch. I don't really know what they call themselves fort i guess (laughs) commune yeah exactly and so in 2011 she basically wraps her time with smallville allison mack sorry and 
opens her home up as like a retreat center specifically geared towards this like as you said sorority female branch of nexium and this is sort of where the master and slave relationship starts being introduced <sighs> into the culture of this cult yes and so you know these women are you know there's these people and they're in the nexium just the regular part and they're moving up and they're becoming enlightened and they're recruiting people and these people are Sarah Edmondson. Sarah these Edmondson people... is a huge player in this. Yes. So she joins the Nexium cult and is then recruited into DOS. Yes. Which is Dominus Obsequus and Sororium. Mm-hmm. Which roughly translates to like Get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe that's the old that's... Latin version. Yes. And so what happens is that they're assigned these like mentors mm-hmm. and the mentor masters the masters yes <laughs> and they do they use that language but that you know they kind of downplay they're like well we say master and slave but it's it's like a mentor mentee don't worry about that but then to be a part of this they essentially do what they call collateral and the genius of this is that there's collateral the idea of collateral through all phases of nexium so the way that sarah explains it is that they would have you put up like a sum of money let's say a hundred dollars and if you didn't go to the gym every day for that month you would lose your collateral but if you did you got it back or like you could roll it into the next one right so it was like this very physical tangible way of like holding yourself accountable which is actually quite common in a lot of like fitness Mm -hmm. kind of challenge type like you pay this amount of money if you like lose the percentage of weight you like get a percentage of the pie back so it's like pretty common right it Mm -hmm. seems like kind of innocuous what excuse me i keep choking (laughs) um as you start moving up they get like more and more now it's not just money now they're having you know these women specifically who are wanting to join dos they're being told okay you need to write a letter saying horrible things about every member of your family and if you don't do what we want you if you don't do what you need to do to achieve enlightenment i think is how they would word it Mm -hmm. but like if you don't do what we tell you to do we'll send that letter and you need to take graphic revealing photos of yourself and like we will hold on to those nudes and if you don't do what we tell you to do what you need to do to achieve enlightenment we'll release those nudes and so a lot of these women sarah edmondson included are like up and coming actors they're trying to like make it as we all are and so you know I, there's part of me that kind of does look at it and I'm like, oh, fuck it, there's so many pictures of my dick all over the internet, like, just fucking release it, I don't care. But, at the same time, again, if you think about where we were in 2011, think about how much shit Jennifer uh, Lawrence got when her nudes were leaked. Mm-hmm. That she sent to her boyfriend, like, and she was sort of this, like, weird vilification, like, she's supposed to be a good girl, like, how dare she take nudes that were ripped off her cloud for her boyfriend. We were not that far removed from that. Yes. And so it's this thing where, like, looking at it now, I'm like, okay, but who cares if Scientology knows that you're gay? Like, just 
be free of that church cult. Like, it doesn't matter, John Travolta. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. It's like these secrets that they hold over you, and you're like, yeah, but that doesn't matter anymore. Like, nobody cares who's gay. Nobody cares that you have nudes. Mm-hmm. But in the early 2000s, as an up-and-coming actor, they're career ruiners. Yes. And so they have these, you know, Sarah is one specific example, but all of these women, these, like, up-and-coming executives, up-and-coming actors, up-and-coming, like, entertainers. Yep. And they have shit on them, and they're doing it in the name of, like, so that, like, I can help you achieve your most enlightened self. And what they would do is that if they didn't – it was all a trickle-down. So the woman – above you as your mentee mentor mm-hmm. excuse me she would like if you didn't do something she'd be like well now I'm gonna get punished by my mentor Keith Raniere but she never said that's who it was right. and so then the women below her would be like well we'll punish ourselves doubly so that like you don't have to be punished as much like we will like make up for it in a way so it's this like weirdly vicious cycle enter Allison Mack with her home as like the retreat for DOS. Or the home from Get Out. Yeah, there exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, you know, this is now in the late 20 teens. And they're telling these women, like, we're going to brand you. Like, yeah. with this cauterizing knife. And it's like what you need to do to reach enlightenment. Like, the pain will help you be enlightened. If you can get through this, you can get through anything. It's kind of, I think, what the mindset was. Mm-hmm. And so they, like, brand all these women. And so that essentially triggers, like, that's, I guess, that's the bookend of, like, the mid-era. Yeah. And also that simultaneously the trigger for the final third era of Nexium, which is that Sarah Edmondson gets out, and she's like, fuck this. You just fucking branded me. And I'm done. It was the way that they were branded mm-hmm. because according to Sarah too, it was it they made it sound like it was just gonna be this little thing they're gonna do. They're just it was just gonna be this little symbol. Mm-hmm. A little like probably a nickel size like symbol. Mm-hmm. And it was gonna be quick and painless. Huh. <laughs> you know, but it was horrific. Mm-hmm. Like when you listen to the episodes of, of her describing mm-hmm. how they were let into this house that they had to be blindfolded and mm-hmm. disrobed, laid on a table, and seven women had to hold her down while they used the cauterizing knife mm-hmm. on her lower hip. And the symbol was, I'm not even kidding, guys. You could see this even on her book. It's like three to four inches away from her vajayjay. Mm-hmm. It's really an ugly symbol. It was very, very painful. She said it was worse than childbirth. And also in the one episode of uh, extreme belief in cult she talks about it she's like yeah they had all these things that, like each line meant something but then you look at it on its side and it's just his fucking initials it's his initials is it's a uh, kr and then if you flip it another way it's, it's am and again allison <sighs> mack is essentially the head of dos and so sarah gets out and the new york times article comes out she goes to the new york times and if you remember it's like her on the front page and she's holding her pants down and you can see the brand on the front it's cover it's really bad it's really brutal and then it's like this thing and because of her coming out hundreds of people leave nexium essentially i think it just took that one person being like 
this is not okay. Like we keep being told mm-hmm. that like we're gonna do these things and it's gonna make us better people, but they're branding us. I know. Like it's not normal. And I think it literally switches that light bulb on in people's brain. And they're like, oh, fuck, we're in a cult. And they start leaving mass exodus. And so, like, hundreds of people leave the cult overnight. And it essentially is the first domino in now the modern era of Nexium's downfall, thank goodness, as all cults should be dismantled, um, because of her coming out. And then it starts opening up other investigations. And there's now all these other women who start coming forward and they're full on they've been coerced into sleeping with and being essentially like sex slaves and forced labor for Keith Raniere Mm -hmm. and so again earlier in this episode that's why I said you know the problem isn't that Nexium was a pyramid scheme because that's also illegal but it is a problem the problem is that he actually then is charged with sex trafficking and forced labor and all of these allegations and so he is arrested in Mexico because cowards run as yeah, you know. Yeah, Vanguard is now Van Gone. Yeah, boo burn. <laughs> and so he is arrested in I believe it's 2017. Yeah, he flees to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico yeah. in 2017 because you know for a man that's pleading not guilty mm-hmm. he's escaping to Mexico. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, it's it was like what tacos are that good over there? Like, I mean, they are. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's be real. But like, you're escaping because you, you're you if, did something if wrong. If you have sex trafficking allegations against you, don't go to Mexico. Just yeah. go to Taco Bell. Like, mm-hmm. you just gotta suck it up. So he is arrested and charged with sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, and conspiracy to commit forced labor. He was arrested in Mexico and then held in New York. Um, and arraigned in Fort Worth, Texas. So he then pleads not guilty, as you said, um, and the attorney general essentially states that Richard, I'm sorry, uh, Keith Raniere had created a secret society of women whom he had sex with and branded with his initials, coercing them with the threat of releasing their highly personal information and taking their assets. So all the things that they had, like, done to be, like, enlightened through Nexium was being used against them and essentially as all cult leaders do they were being told like you need to sleep with him to achieve like the ultimate enlightenment which isn't that how it always fucking is it it always is like that but what was very shocking too were the allegations and the statements by these men and women yes um can we talk about the requirements that these women mm-hmm. had to adhere mm-hmm. in order to be in DOS and mm-hmm. the type of women that Keith Ranieri was attracted to. Ugh. So I researched this um, that part of the Nexium teachings also touted the need for men to have multiple sex partners, but for women to be monogamous. Sure. That's, that seems fine. Assignments required the women to adhere an extremely low-calorie diet, a healthy calorie diet is usually between 1800 to 2000 calories they were required to have an 800 calorie diet they were supposed to look very rail thin because that was the type of woman that keith ranieri was attracted to he wanted them to physically and not only feel but physically look vulnerable like to no offense to the olsen twins but make them look like that yeah 
Ugh. He wanted them skinny as a rail so he can sleep with them. Gross. That's how fucked up it is. If you see Allison Mack, like when she God, um, was present during his arrest, she looks horrifically thin. Yeah. There you go. Another thing, too, that came forward was that that whole branding was Allison Mack's idea. Mm-hmm. So she's actually, she was also arrested. Oh, of course. She needs to. And so, like, that's the whole thing, too, is that, like, we talked about rocking Hollywood. Is like, now, here's this woman who's, like, being accused of being, like, essentially the number two in a cult. Mm-hmm. Like, Hollywood starlets don't join cults. Do you know what I mean? It's that yeah. whole thing. Oh, yeah. But she's a co-defendant of the DOS lawsuit because it was at her home and she was recruiting women and she was, she was a major recruitment them. tool she was holding them down when they were being branded it's like god god can we have gotten a, like a tramp stamp instead like girl this was like, i know like that it was so horrible she's like <laughs> a tattoo because someone made a comment like can we just like do tattoos like are you kidding me like tattoos is what you do when you're drunk mm-hmm. oh yeah let's let's be branded because that's what we do when we're in a cult yeah you know of course i know don't get branded y'all do not and she was trying to recruit some big names emma mm-hmm. stone kelly clarkson through some cryptic tweets that you know was being you know Hidden behind a feminist bar, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the whole thing. Is like they're strong, like feminist women. women. It was a group. They're of empowered. Slaves. Yeah. But you're, they're being manipulated and coerced by a man. Yeah. Oof. Love that. Yes. Love that journey. So his federal trial, uh, Keith Ranieri's, was actually this past May, and he was convicted in June uh, for racketeering and sex trafficking. So a little bit of justice. Yes. Fuck that guy, but a little bit of justice. A little bit of justice. It is very disappointing to hear a lot of the people that are still Ranieri fans. They're still his followers. They're, yes. you well, know, next tried and still true. technically existed. Yes. Exists, I'm sorry. It still exists. You can um, still take classes if you know someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was another thing that I, f- I found interesting, too, is that it was like a karate class that you all, all of a sudden, like, I think when you took certain amount mm-hmm. of classes, you're given like different colored sashes. Yeah. That was another thing that was like pretty interesting that it, while doing this research, too, is that like in order to get to the enlightened level, you had to go through like a certain level yep. of color sashes, yep. apparently. And Ranieri had the long, you know, majestic white sash. Well, and it's just funny that those things coincide with, like, the amount of money you donate. Yeah. Funny how that works. So. Mm-hmm. So, now here we are, and like you said, they still exist. Mm-hmm. Technically. Not in the same manifestation, and hopefully the people... You know, at the end of the day, like, if people get something out of it, I hope that the people that, like only lost money again not to diminish their suffering but i hope that they genuinely did get like what they felt that they paid their money for yeah because a lot of people swear by it and they're like no i really did really it helped me in business it helped me in my marriage like i really hope that that's true that like some good can come out of this and then like the women who are victims of this man's like Mm -hmm. psychosis like get the healing they deserve and i mean there were a lot of famous people that felt like they were able to overcome a lot of mm-hmm. um things that held them back mm-hmm. and i mean this is like people would have they have to understand this you guys have to understand that this was just a self-help group this is how mm-hmm. it was presented yeah and there were a lot of people that came forward and said no this group really helped and i think the people that got really 
that got involved in the crevices of this group mm. got sucked in deeper and deeper into that dark hole yeah. and they couldn't get out you yeah. know they were brainwashed and sarah edmondson even says this she's like i was absolutely a hundred percent brainwashed and it's so funny because she and this is very very common in the uh what's the yoga sex cult um that Buddha. was here in la Buddhafield. thank you mm-hmm. my brain just went full on blank i too was brainwashed <laughs> um but it's funny because in a lot of these cults, there's things that echo each other. Yeah. Because, it, like I said earlier, it ultimately is just about control and the way that one person can exert the control over their followers. Mm-hmm. And so those things might manifest in different ways, but the root cause is the same. So there are echoes of each other. And it's really funny because a lot of the members of the Budafeld, when they talk about it, they would say, like, well, we used to joke like, yeah, but if we're in a cult, at least we're in a good cult. And Sarah Edmondson said the same <gasps> thing. No, you're right. And so she's like talking about it and she's like, we used to joke and we would say like, There's yeah, no but if we were are in a cult, at least it's a good cult. At least it's helping us like be successful. And like, we're not having to do anything that we wouldn't want to do anyway until you are. Yes. And that's one of the things. So again, I know I keep talking about it, but on this episode of Extreme Beliefs and Cults, they have like a round table discussion and this one woman from oh i forget which cult she was in um shoot the family maybe the source i might have to look it up i'm sorry um but she talks about it and she's like nobody thinks they're in a cult until they are Mm -hmm. and there's unfortunately nothing you can do to protect yourself because you think it won't happen to you and that the best thing you can do is to like listen to the red flags in your heart when they start arising. But that's the thing is that like cults are really good. Cult leaders are good at what they do. Yeah, because they're narcissistic. And they just yeah. and charismatic at the same time. It's like getting involved in a very, very bad and toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. So with a man that likes to read Anne Rand yeah. saying <laughs> maybe just a chapter of Jamie's life. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dating a narcissist. It's a real bitch. <laughs> it really is. I dated a guy in grad school who I knew in middle school, and he found me on Facebook. We started talking, and we, and he was a huge... He was big in the beauty community because mm. him and his family, I'm not going to say where and what kind of company, but this is a huge beauty company, mm. and they created something that like blew up in the beauty community, mm-hmm. and they're like millionaires, right? And while dating him, I really didn't understand what it was like dating a narcissist mm-hmm. until I dated him. And the one thing, red flag, of dating a narcissist is when they keep on bringing up fucking The Atlas Shrug by Ayn Rand. Oof. It's like, you gotta read this. I've read it. Yes, yes, John Galt, wannabe. Yes, I've read mm-hmm. it. I've read it. They love that book. They love that book. But the one thing that Ayn Rand couldn't overcome and cannot debate is depression. That was mm-hmm. something that even her biggest idol, John Galt, her character, you know, she couldn't explain how he would have like overcome that. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things too that can bring down, you know, especially a leader like Keith Raniere. Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately, I think with a lot of cult leaders, it's their own hubris too. Oh, they yeah. just think that they're invincible and untouchable. Oh, yeah. And but in the end of the day, they think with the wrong head. I'm not talking about the one on their shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sex cult. Sex cult. Gotta love a sex cult. I know. Well, guys, that is our discussion of the Nexium cult. Love Let it. us know what you think. And now we can go and transition into the paranormal aftermath. Spooky. But before we do that, here's a little promo from our friends at Stitcher Pro. Hi. 
Hey boo hey, it's Bryce Mitchell Williams and Tammy Merhap Chavez and we are from Holly Weird Paranormal and we just wanted to take a second to recommend some great other podcasts that are available now on Stitcher Premium. If you're looking for some new true crime, then check out True Crime Garage Off the Record, the latest project from the guys of True Crime Garage, hosts Nick and the Captain. Hi! Join them each week as they revisit some of the most haunting cases they've covered to date. This is a compilation of hidden treasures, a chance to dive deeper, discuss new theories, and get updates on your favorite episodes of True Crime Garage. Or, if you're looking for something a little different, comedian Chris Gethard's beautiful stories from anonymous people opens the phone line to one anonymous caller, and Chris can't hang up first, no matter what. Just like all my first dates. From shocking confessions and family secrets to philosophical discussions and shameless self-promotion, anything can and will happen. With Stitcher Premium, you'll also get thousands of hours of original content, early access to new releases, exclusive bonus episodes, and archives, and so much more. And of course, our show, Hollywood Paranormal, is also available every week on Stitcher Premium. To get your free month trial of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com and use promo code HOLLYWEIRD. That's stitcherpremium.com and the promo code is HOLLYWEIRD. One word. One word. Now let's get weird. Bye. Bye. Beep boop, beep boop, boop, boop. Boop. Keep that in. I will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So now here it is, our little ghost story. What is the paranormal association between Allison Mack and John Snyder? Well, both of them were in Smallville, the Love show. That. And uh, according to John Snyder, in his interview with Celebrity Ghost Stories, he has a personal ghost story of his own. So, according to John Snyder, star of Smallville and Dukes of Hazard, him and his wife end up buying a little old house in the Hollywood Hills. And they did some renovation, so you you know where this is leading to, right? So, him and his wife make some renovations because it's a house that was built in the 30s and 40s, already has history. And the first night that they were sleeping in this house... They were awoken by what sounded like shuffling, like someone was trying to look for something in a set of drawers. So it's not only John, but him and his wife both wake up to the sound of somebody rummaging through drawers. And they look up and there's this man in a fedora and trench coat. Ew, that's the scariest part. Oh, Your yeah. fedora's at home. And trench coats. It might be like a streaker or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> right? And... He, you know, kind of motions to his wife, like, are you seeing this? Like, is this really happening? And out of nowhere, the man who is rummaging through their drawers turns around and looks at them, acknowledges them, but then looks around as though he's lost. So John thinks it's a dream. It's a weird dream. Mm. But the way that this man was dressed was definitely out of the ordinary it was definitely out of the decade he looked like he belonged in the 40s so he goes back to sleep he thinks honestly this is a dream so he and his wife wake up the next morning and they simultaneously tell each other oh wait we had a weird i had a weird dream dream last night and john's like wait you just dreamt the same thing i dreamt so that's when they realize it really wasn't a wild dream that this may have actually happened. Oh so God. the wife ends up finding um, this woman in, I guess, in their little community of friends to come in. She's a sensitive and a psychic. So 
she tells them, well, she asks them first, like, did you do any renovations on the house? Mm. And the woman and, you know, his wife tells him, yeah, like we just renovated the house. Upstairs, our master bedroom, we turned it, you know, into one large room. It Mm -hmm. was two rooms. We knocked down a wall and now it's just a big, large bedroom. And she's like, that's what it is. Oh, God. So your house came with an energy. It came with one of its owners. And when you disturb something in a house that old, Mm -hmm. you're awakening something in there that, you know, was connected to the property. So it turned out that there was a man who owned the house and they don't know if he died in the house or maybe he, you know, died somewhere else, but Mm. he was very much connected to it. And when he, um, when John said, you know, he, when he turned around and looked at us and then like kind of looked lost, it was as though like he was trying to figure out where he was. And he said it made sense because we renovated a majority of the house. So of course it didn't look like the original plan. And that, kind of echoes what we mentioned time and time again with hauntings you know when there's a residual or this common occurrence of a figure walking through a wall or walking into a closet or Mm -hmm. through a window it's like what was the original plan of that house or what was there originally you know those are things that we always bring up you know uh sometimes energy is connected to a place and when that energy is disrupted it you know lord knows what it can do Go through your drawers. Apparently. Go through your drawers. Ugh. Go through your underwear drawer. Do not go through that. Yeah. Also, I love the instinct of like, there's someone in our house. Let's like just go back to sleep. You know, right? But like, I was thinking like, that, okay, if they're I, living in the, in the Hollywood Hills, they have to have a good security system. So I, I think he probably would have thought like, wait, if someone would have broken in, the alarms would have gotten off, right? No? <laughs> Maybe not. I don't, I don't know. I just if you could afford to buy a house in the Hollywood weird Hills, instinct is like, mm, there's a man in our room. We should go back to just... bed, hun. Go to sleep. Oh. We're fine. Okay, it's all right. He's in the three-piece suit. Sweet. Yeah. He's in out. Apparently, all you need to do to rob Hollywood Hills homes is party trans- city. <laughs> trans- coat. <laughs> Look like a blues brother. Yeah, that's all I need. <laughs> that's the dream. That is really creepy. Isn't it? But I was trying to find like some sort of paranormal association and then I remembered like, wait, I remember watching this episode with Snyder and then I went back to it and I'm like, yes, I forgot that he was in Smallville. Yeah. Yeah. So he is, um, he was on that show and he was in Smallville alongside Allison Mack. Interesting. Part of me though, I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but I wonder if down the road more paranormal type things will come out because it's still such a fresh cult it's still so new i mean these women were just getting out two or less years ago but in the the one episode on extreme beliefs and cults they talk about one of the things that keith ranieri would do is called the fear experiments oh that's right they would show these mostly women but these new younger members this video of the Mexican drug cartel beheading a group of women from like the early 2000s and they would like do it quote in the name of science and they would show it to them over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and the reason I bring that up A just to show how deranged this whole thing was but B that energy that like unleashing of people's fear will have effect you know what I mean there will be ripples of that yeah I think we might be a little close to the epicenter to really know what that trauma will look like. Um, 
but I wouldn't be surprised if down the road people start saying like this kind of thing is like starting to show a pattern because all of these people were releasing so much fear oh and yeah like I wouldn't be surprised trauma yeah you know maybe it could create what we've mentioned in the past like mm-hmm. a tulpa yeah oh and I, yeah I had a really good discussion with this amazing beautiful individual that we're gonna have on our podcast soon but I met him at the Delhi market the Delhi Marcus um, mm-hmm. shop, and that's Zachariah the Witch. Hi. And we met at the shop, and we had this amazing discussion. He was like telling me, "Well, we're talking about the Jane's house, mm. and now that's going to be a new thing, thanks to us." Um, <laughs> but um, he did something by the Jane's house. He mm. said, "Yeah, I don't think places are haunted. I believe people are haunted because mm. they carry a lot of energy with them." Makes and sense. You know, I've gone to places where it wasn't originally haunted, but the people that visit these places constantly leave something behind. Yeah. And I and I just mentioned, you think like a tulpa? He's like, oh, absolutely. Like, oh, let's talk about tulpas. Crazy. Yeah, just like a manifestation of people's energies, like can you know pretty much conjure up something otherworldly. Yeah, a hundred percent. Maybe one day, you know, someone moves into Allison's Max house and there's something weird there. They're going to yeah. go into that area where they did the brown branding yeah. and they're going to say something like, oh, it's a weird mm-hmm. vibe in there. It's very mm-hmm. weird. It's Oh, there has to be residual very, energy. Oh, there. I just feel so uncomfortable. And yeah. that's, you never know. You never know. Yeah. I think we're just, I don't think there's been enough time for us to really understand or have to have heard if those things are happening but I would not be surprised like in 10 years if some of that stuff starts coming out oh yeah yeah wouldn't be surprised at all either I you mean, heard it at- here first breaking news <laughs> well look at you know even by David Omen's house totally when you go up that drive you know people feel a sense of being watched and they mm-hmm. feel a sense of dread mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's too contributing to the fact of what they already know mm-hmm. occurred in that property and what they're bringing to it and what they're bringing to it that's another thing but also that's another thing too that Benedict Canyon can be another entity itself because totally. after doing um, another investigation with Craig Owens at the David Omen mm-hmm. house Craig brought up a really good point He's like, hey. I don't think it might be just David's house I think it's just all of Benedict Canyon yeah and it's true because there's been a lot of accounts of psychics and sensitives that when they first set foot in Benedict Canyon, it's they get a wave of emotion mm. and sensations. But that canyon, that canyon speaks beyond, mm. beyond words. Like yeah. it's, there's something there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes lo- sense because in the basement room with the exposed dirt, like, oh yeah, you're really communing with the earth as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. And a wine rack. <laughs> Just saying. Well, guys, that is our episode of Nexium. Yes. We escaped it. We did. Look, as someone who's probably in a cult right now, <laughs> let me just tell you, don't be in a cult. I really do think that, like, if it came out that CrossFit was a cult, cult, I would not be that surprised. It checks all the boxes. I just happen to be, like, a low-level member, right? Like, in the pyramid mm-hmm. of it. But, like, there's a leader. His name's Greg Glassman. There's a number two. His name is Dave Castro. And there are people who are in the inner sanctum. They're the CrossFit athletes who compete every year. And they're, like, the elite. And they have privilege and access that normal members really don't have. Like, I pay dues, essentially. Like, you have to pay... Mm-hmm. Like, I pay a membership, of course, but, like, the gym itself pays. You can't just open a gym and say it's a CrossFit gym. You pay CrossFit HQ. 
Wow. So like the structure is there. There's a lingo. I'm literally wearing a shirt. Like you always you wear said. the shirt when we record, Bryce. This one? Is there a reason? Oh, yeah. <laughs> my one tear of blood comes down my eye. Um, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's like... I mean, community. it's a really good cult. Yeah, right, but it is. And like people say, like, yeah, but if it's a cult, at least it's like it's a, a good, cult of fitness. A good one. <laughs> but like, you know, there are certain red flags. I have like, it's not to drag this episode out, but there's like one time last year where there was like this specific workout that was really infuriating for like a lot of people who are scaled athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, this is very boring. and I like commented on the CrossFit page before they like deleted all of their social media which was like a thing that happened this past year Mm. again like these super erratic behaviors and someone said you should be careful like commenting on my comment and being like you should be careful or he'll ban you (gasps) and I was like you're telling me I can't question this leader that's a fucking red flag if you can't question the leader that's a cult you know what I mean done yeah so I'm for show and a cult it's fine (laughs) I'm fine you were to be like, call your dad. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite murder, call your yeah. dad. So don't be in a cult, kids. I mean, can we agree that maybe CrossFit is like the white claw of cults? Yeah, and I don't think it actually is a cult <laughs> in the sense that like, I think that if it came out that like the elite athletes yeah. were in cahoots with like, and were having things done to them that were like much more cult-like, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I, I'm not that surprised. Do I think that's actually happening? No. Do I think that CrossFit fits all the boxes of a cult? Yes, I do think that. You change your diet, you change your schedule, you change your vernacular, you change your clothing, you change your friend group. It it ticks all the boxes. But again, lots of things do. So just be careful, friends. Mm-hmm. Don't be in a cult. Don't let anybody brand you. Don't. Yeah, just do some goat yoga, you'll be fine. Ooh, goat yoga is yes. so cute. And they are. They like to poop on you. That's the dream. That <laughs> That's is the dream. the dream. I'd rather be shot by a goat than be in a cult. Yeah. Literally. Ah. All right, guys. So before we leave, we have some shout outs. Shout outs to Book of Lies. I'm... Shout out to Two Girls on a Bench, oh, LA Not So best. Confidential, mm. and the Magic Quest Boys of the D&D world. And of course, a shout out to our friends at the Cutaway Podcast, Ashley and Justine, Hi. Lady Pod Squad. Obsessed. Obsessed, of course, guys. And here's a shout out to a new little organization, a little like group um, that is actually starting tours in downtown so cool. Los Angeles. Not a cult, don't worry. <laughs> but one of our listeners, Christina, Hi. started a little walking haunted tour of haunted bars in downtown Los Angeles. So cool. She was inspired by our haunted bar episode. And she has a a group called Booze and Booze. So follow them on Instagram, guys. So she helps coordinate these walking bar tours through these haunted locations. So cool. And you get to indulge in some alcohol. You get to indulge in some ghost stories. And you get to walk home with a little, like, salient to protect you from all these little ghosties that might follow you home. I'm going to need some more salient. <laughs> I already gave you the maximum. I'm going to need some more. I'm going to need some more. Thank need you. a backpack full of <laughs> Second, guys, October 5th, if you live in and around the San Fernando area, <laughs> then there is a huge little screening, the 60th anniversary screening of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Ooh. Yes, one night only, Saturday, October 5th, starting at 7 p.m. Tickets are $13. It's going to be screened at the San Fernando Pioneer Memorial Cemetery. And I was just at that cemetery last night with Craig O. 
Owens, and we did an investigation. We think there's something there. There's a tale of an Edwardian woman that walks、mm. around the cemetery, the woman in brown, and there's even tales of things that might follow you home from the cemetery.、Ooh. But while we were there, we collected some interesting. Um, evidence. Every、mm. time we like made a comment about like the people that were buried there, the history of the cemetery, we read out loud like the people's tombstones.、Mm. Our K twos would go off. Amazing. It was amazing. We felt some interesting cold spots, and it was a bit of a warm night, so it was a pretty interesting night. Definitely some unusual juju there. So go and check out Plan Nine from Outer Space on. October the fifth.、Mm. It's hosted by Hollywood Exhum, Valley Haunts, Discount Cemetery, and San Fernando Valley Historical Society. Guys,、mm. you could definitely find out more information on this on our Instagram and on Hollywood Exhumed Instagram as well. We will be there. Bryce may not because it is <laughs> a haunted cemetery, but I'm definitely going to be there. Although it's hot in the valley right now, I can really do with a cold spot. Right? <laughs> is that what? It, is that the thing that took? I mean, what if that's all it took from you? It's like, you know what? It's I'm really, really hot. hot. Fine, if、no、I can get haunted for a cold spot, it's fine. I'll do Might it. Might as well. It felt delicious. It I think was... it's just important to know what your your limit is. I'm willing to be haunted for a cold、yep. spot. Why not? Honestly, if that's not a t-shirt, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> willing to be haunted for a cold, cold spot. spot, guys.、Mm. <laughs> Print it. All right, guys. Always remember to stay Holly weird,、mm. and、um, stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to be doing an episode on Shirley Temple,、yes. and one of our awesome listeners, Jessica,、Hi. shout out to you, invited us to her jobby job.、Yeah. She works at Fox, and、um, Fox has some stories, and Jessica has some stories. We're going to be interviewing her. I'm so excited to meet her.、Yes. We're going to plan something, Bryce. I told her to get a cheese tray with cheese cubes just to lay them in a、smart. trail into her workplace. That's really smart. Yeah, that's that how you、work. do it.、That's、and then, like, the grand prize would be a frappuccino for you, right? Ooh,、mm. So much dairy. <laughs> All right, guys. Always remember to stay Holly weird. And also, guys, if you love Hollywood Paranormal, you want to help support the podcast, even help produce an episode or two or more, then go on over to our Patreon.、Mm. Go to www.patreon.com/hollywoodparanormal. If you want to learn more about us, then go to Hollywood Paranormal. dot blueberry dot net to find out more information about our podcasts and to shop at our little store.、Mm. Don't forget to stalk us on Facebook and on Instagram at at Hollywood Paranormal and Twitter at HWP Podcast. All right, guys. Always stay Hollywood. And Bryce, do you have anything you want to say? Bye. Bye.